Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you here this morning. Hey, I know you just saw it in the uh, video announcements, but let me talk to you about 21 days of prayer and fast. And you can pick this journal up out in the lobby. We'd love for you to join us in the spiritual journey. It's, listen, the Bible says, if you draw near to me, God says, draw near to me. I will draw near to you. God will draw near to us. And so that's what we're going to do over the next 21 days is corporately come together and just, just spend some time in prayer and fasting. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God. And it's a great time. And we also have some pretty cool initiatives to break the fast in 21 days. You'll be getting that over the next couple of weeks. If you want it electronically, you can just scan this QR code and it will come in your inbox every day. We make it so easy for you. You get up in the morning and bam, there it is. You can have your quiet time and your fasting. Also, in the journal, in the, in, uh, in the, uh, uh, the stuff that comes to you electronically, it's all about fasting and what kind of fast and how do you approach fast and why fast and all of that stuff there. So you get all that information as well. Okay, you get it? Now listen, I say you get it, you say I got it. You get it? All right, now you're all going to join me in 21 days. We just did it. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you uh, so much. Uh, thank you for this time that we have together. Uh, whether we're here in this space or we're worshiping online, uh, we just welcome everyone in. But, Lord, we welcome your spirit into our space. And, Father, we give you the next few minutes here as we are standing on a brand new year. And we just pray your will be done. And, Lord, we pray that you would make that known to us. We give you this time now. So speak to us. May we leave this place knowing that we have been with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Happy New Year, right? 2024. Like, did you ever think that we would make it? I mean, particularly people of my generation and older, did you think that we would make it to 2024? I mean, come on. When I was a teenager, they made a movie called Back to the Future, and they went to 2015. That was nine years ago, right? <laughs> I'm still waiting for my flying car. Like, it just hasn't happened. But I, I, I love this time of the year. Here we are on the horizon of a brand new year. And this is a great time of the year because with the new year comes this idea, comes with an idea that we get a new start, that, that we start over. We get a fresh start. I, it's amazing how this time of the year motivates so many people to do new things, to start new ways, to start new things. So many of us buy into this mindset of a new start. Like, and, and you can see it everywhere. Like you go to the gym, everybody's going to the gym, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's well, this is the time. I got to get back in there. I'm going to start losing weight. I got to get healthier and exercise more often. And so the first couple of weeks, the gym's packed, right? You go and uh, uh, look at some studies on some dieting or some healthy living applications, they see a spike in participation in those things. Like now I'm going to get myself in order here. I'm going to get serious about what I'm doing or whatever. We tend to be more serious about our, our time, our calendar, our money. We try to steward those things better. And I mean, we, we make these New Year's resolutions like I'm going to set some priorities and this time I'm going to stick with it, right? We set some goals and make our lives better. The New Year has this way of bringing new hope and we all buy into it. We, we're all gung-ho for a season, right? <laughs> and then you know what happens. It happens all the time. We, we fall out of it just as quickly as we fell into it. And that's what happens to, to a lot of us. And, 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 the, and the problem is, 
we end up actually feeling worse than we did before because now, not only are we not doing these things, well, I failed at not doing those things. It's, it's a vicious cycle. Look at this graph and see if it doesn't resonate with you, right? This is how we approach these things. We set goals, right? We make these resolutions. We, we, I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to make these decisions. And so we kind of set these goals. We get these things in place. And, and we start off strong. We have the, the greatest intentions. We, we have a fresh start. It's a brand new year. All right, now this is the time. doesn't matter what happened last year. Now is the time this, to set these goals. And so we start strong. And then what do we do? We hit a roadblock. Well, I had to work late, or I forgot about that bill, or my kids happened, this happened with my kids, and now I got to do this, and all of a sudden we hit these roadblocks, messes up our rhythm, and then um, we, we lose motivation. And then all of a sudden, it's been two or three weeks before we realized the thing that we said we were going to do, and we simply have given up. And we do that, and, and every single one of us, we played this game before, like we all have been somewhere in this vicious cycle, repeating ourselves over and over again. And it's not just the external, it's not just in the physical realm, it's the internal as well. Like, like it's in the spiritual realm as well. We've, we've, we've all been here spiritually, right? We just came through the Christmas season, and, 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 and we, 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 we get inspired by that. We, 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 we believe that, that, that the, the significance of Christ's birth, and it does something to us, and we have this moment of remembering. We, we have this, this awakening, if you will, and, and, it, and we get encouraged. We receive the grace and mercy. And, I go back to this graph and all of a sudden we set some goals. Okay, I, I'm going to read the Bible more. Every day I'm going to read the Bible. I'm, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to go to church every day. I'm going I'm to, you know, maybe set some goals. I'm going to stop doing these bad habits. I'm going to start doing these good. I'm going to get disciplined. And we have, we start strong because we're, we're in a new year and we got a new start. And, you know, and, and, and it's all fresh and it's great. And we have the greatest of intentions. And then we hit a roadblock. Life throws a curveball at us. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I prayed for this, but I got that. I, I, I really don't know what to do with, life gets hard, life gets difficult, we get some setbacks and then we lose motivations and then we ultimately give up. And maybe for some of us, we feel worse than we actually did beforehand because now not only are we not doing those things, but we failed at doing those things. Well, happy new year. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I actually got good news for you. I got good news for you today. We're starting a brand new series called Now What? Like, like what do I do with Jesus? Like, the, the Christmas story is amazing. It's a beautiful story of God coming to us in the form of a baby. And, and, and as we move into the new year, we may ask, well, what does that mean? How does that baby Jesus change my life? What do I do with that? How do I respond? What do I do now? Now that the Messiah has come and he dwells among his people, what does that mean for me? Like, how, how does that change my life? Well, I believe it starts with a proper understanding of who God is and what God wants to do. Like, it's so important that you understand who God is, have a right understanding of who God is, and a, and a proper understanding of what God really wants to do in your life. This really says a lot about you. Look what A.W. Tozer says about this. He says, what comes into, your, into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Simply put, what you think about when you think about God matters. It, it's, it's the most important thing about you. And so the whole purpose of this series is we want to get you to a place where you begin to understand what God can do through you if you allow him to do some things in you. So how do we begin to understand who God is 
and what God wants to do. Well, we got to go back. Right? The only way forward is to go back. We got to go back. We got to go back even before Christmas. In fact, we got to go back approximately about 700 years before Christmas. It's about 700 years that, that God would give, that we would get a glimpse of who God is and what he is all about when he speaks to the prophet Isaiah about the coming Messiah and all the hope and all the glory and all the peace and grace that he would bring to the world and for all generations. About 700 years before he came, God would speak. And if you listen to his words, you would really begin to capture the heart of God. And he starts off by saying this, Isaiah 40. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Let me just stop right there and just, this message came at a time when God's people were in exile. They weren't in good favor with God. They were isolated. They were oppressed. They were despondent. And the reason they find themselves in that position was essentially because they had given up on God. They hit some roadblocks. They got discouraged. They had stopped trusting in the one that had brought them out of captivity. And you know what they did? They decided, well, we can live life on our own. We don't really need God in our lives. And instead of acknowledging him, they begin to deny him. And now they're lost. Now they're hurting. Now they're longing. Now they're, they're burdened. Now they are in trouble. And what's God's response to his people? It's not, well, you, you got yourself into this mess. Let's see what you do with it. That's not his response. And his response is not, again? Really? Here we go again. Are you serious? I've already been through this before. Are, are you, do you guys not remember anything? That's not his response either. His response is comfort. Comfort is extended to those people who find themselves in the doldrums. And he calls them my people. Even though they've turned their back on me, even though they've given up on me, even though they're, they're not living for me, they're still my people. I have not abandoned them. It speaks to the heart of who God is. Some of you here, you, you, you may be here on the first Sunday of the new year, and truth we're told, you may feel that you, you've been marked by patterns that are not pleasing to God. You, you may feel that you're trapped in that cycle, like, like that, that relentless cycle that you just can't seem to break out of. Like you just always keep going back over and over again. And maybe, maybe you found yourself kind of saying or thinking the same things. Maybe God has abandoned me. Like I've been here before. Perhaps God has just given up on me. Or, or maybe you feel like perhaps this is just my lot in life. This is who I am. These are the cards I'm dealt, and this, this is just who I am. My, my mom was a warrior. I guess I'm just going to be a warrior. Like she dealt with stress and anxiety, and it just comes natural to me. That's just who I am. Or my dad was hot-headed. He was tempered. You know, he, he, he lost his temper real easy. I guess I'm just always going to be filled with anger. This is just my lot in life. Maybe you feel like that way. And what's the message of God to the person that comes to that conclusion? Comfort. Comfort. He knows how fragile we are. Like, he, he knows how lost we are. He, he knows we are discouraged by our enemies. He, he knows that we are ashamed of our own rebellious spirit. He knows that we are tempted to believe that we've gone past the point of no return. And so God sends out his messenger and he says, I got a word for the people. And here's the word comfort them. 
comfort them with this proclamation. He gives a proclamation in his, it's the proclamation of the Messiah that's coming. And we need that. We need that proclamation. And the truth is, the proclamation of the good news brings comfort to our restless souls. I love, I love, whoever decided to put Christmas where they put Christmas, I I don't know, that was a great idea. Because I love the fact that Christmas is is so close to New Year's, right? Because you, you can't have a new start. You can't have a fresh start. You can't have new beginnings without Christmas, right? You, you can't have any of that if Jesus didn't come into the world. And Christmas is all about the proclamation of the coming Messiah. We talked about this all during the month of December. There were proclamations made. God made proclamations to the prophets, and the prophet made the proclamations to the people. Jesus is coming, right? And, and then the angels made a pro, uh, proclamation to, to the people of the New Testament, to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, and then to the uh, uh, shepherds who were watching their flocks, right? They were, they were making these proclamations. Proclamations were, were coming from the realms of glory that comfort was coming coming for our restless souls. Let's go back to that prophetic word and look at it. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service had been completed, that her sins have been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I love that. Like God's not just barely saving you. You're not just barely making it into heaven. He doesn't just have just enough for, for, for what you may need. No, he's going to give you double what you need. There's a proclamation. There's an announcement from the heavens. The king has issued a decree. And what is that decree? Your hard service is over. You have served your sentence long enough. Your sins have been paid for. That's the proclamation. That's the message of Christmas. And that changes everything. Amen? God, in his infinite wisdom, he knew that the only thing that could rescue us from ourselves, the only thing that could break us out of that that relentless cycle, the only thing that could repair the damage that sin is doing in our lives, the only thing that can do that, in fact, it's not a thing, it's his son. We have hope this morning, and hope has a name, Jesus. He is the one, right? Jesus is the great redeeming gift. Jesus is the restoration. He is the life. He is the hope. He is the peace. He is our security. There is no salvation apart from him. There is no deliverance from the presence and power of sin apart from him. There is no restored relationship with God apart from him. There is no end to sickness. There is no end to, uh, to suffering apart from him. There's no defeat of death apart from him. There's simply no such thing as redeeming grace in all all that that means apart from Jesus and we get all of that and that brings comfort to our soul God made this proclamation he responds to the helpless condition of our world with holy authority but he doesn't deal with it with judgment he deals with it with grace and mercy and love and compassion and comfort he sends Jesus. And that is, that is who God is and what God is all about. Listen, listen. Since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God has been on a relentless pursuit 
to be reconciled with mankind. And as we stand on the horizon of a brand new year, maybe ready to make some decisions, hoping for change, wondering now what? Like, what, what do I do now? Remember first the proclamation. The proclamation that came. That's the thing that's life-changing. That's the game-changer. That's, that's, that's hope that gives us a reality. That is the person of Jesus. We get all of that. We can have comfort because our sins have been forgiven. But it doesn't end there. Not only does this proclamation bring comfort because our sins are forgiven, it actually brings an empowerment because it ushers us into the presence of God. The proclamation of the good news, the Messiah is coming, Jesus is coming, brings God's presence into our lives. So he doesn't just save us, he wants to walk with us. He wants to dwell with us. He doesn't just want to get you to heaven. He wants to restore the relationship with you. That's what makes Christmas so meaningful. That's what makes Christmas so special. I love the disciple John when he wrote his Christmas story. He made it so personable. He made it so intimate. He said the word, which was Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God came to us. Let's go back to the word that God was given to that, to the prophet Isaiah. He goes on, he says this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now listen, it's important. It's important for you to understand and to know that this highway, this is not a highway for them to get out. This is a highway for God to come in. God made a way to come to us in the wilderness of your life, in the desert of your life, make a highway for God. This is so important. I, I, think, I think we get this wrong a lot of the times. I, I think we're supposed to, I think we think we're supposed to, well, if I can just try harder, if I, uh, if I could get out of my own problems myself. I think we think we need to do that on our own, uh, on our own abilities. Like we have this, this mindset, if I can just do better, if I can just stop making the same mistakes over and over again, if I could just get around this rebellious spirit of mine, if I could just, if I could just stop making stupid decisions, right? If I can just do something better with my life, then maybe I can get to a point where I can make a New Year's resolution Make something change on the outside that hopefully will change on the inside. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. God made a way for him to come into your life, to come into your darkness, to come into your dryness, into your sadness, into your emptiness, into your discouragement. That's God's mission. He wants to come to you and everything that you have. This is the desire of God. And we see it in Scripture over and over and over again. Isaiah 35, verse 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, and let me be honest, some of you may be standing on the brink of a brand new year, and you're, you're, you're not as hopeful as others. Maybe you're a little apprehensive. You know what's right in front of you. And maybe there's some things in your life that you're just afraid of, like you're just fearful. I'm not sure how I'm going to make it. I'm not sure how I'm going to get up and over. I'm not sure how I'm going to get around this thing. Maybe you're standing on the brand new year, and you actually have fear in your hearts. And God says, listen, be strong. Do not fear. Why? Because God will come. He's making a way to us. He's on a rescue mission to enter our world 
to enter our situation, to take on our sin. And that's the part of the proclamation, right? So the proclamation not only brings comfort because of the forgiveness of our sin, it brings empowerment because we have the presence of God to come into our mess, to come into our situation. But wait, there's more. It doesn't end there. The proclamation of the good news actually brings transformation to our lives. This is where we begin answering the question, now what? This transformation is strong enough. It has divine power to break that cycle of defeat, to break that cycle of failure. It is the answer to the question, now what? It is the next steps. It is, it is the direction in which we move. Let's, let's go back to the prophet Isaiah and see what God says next in, that, um, in that, uh, Isaiah 40. Beginning in verse 3. He says, every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God wants to bring significant change to your life. He wants the landscape of your life to be changed, to be transformed. You say, well, why? Why would God do that? It's true that God loves you just the way you are. So all your mess, all your failures, all your mistakes, all your hurts, all your bad decisions, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to keep you there. He loves you too much to just leave you in that place. He wants to bring transformation in your life. Now here's the deal. When we, when we read Isaiah 40... This was a proclamation of things to come. Like this was a promise given to the children of Israel of the coming Messiah. So everyone in the Old Testament, they would look forward to this promise. This is something they were looking forward to. This was a promise that they were looking forward. Now, because of Christmas and the birth of Jesus, we get to experience what they were longing for because we get to have this relationship with Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. He is our hope. He is our grace. He is our restoration. He is our transformation. Jesus, listen, Jesus doesn't have what we need. Jesus is what we need. And he brings change. And the good news, he doesn't improve. He doesn't repair. He makes us brand new. That's the kind of transformation that God has promised us, and that's what we find in Jesus. Look at the promise given to us by the Apostle Paul. Listen, if you ever needed a New Year's verse, like you're like, I, I, I need a New Year's verse, look at this promise in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What an incredible promise that we have. That word creation, in the Greek, it's the same word used for metamorphosis. Like, like you're, you're not improved, you're not repaired, you're brand new, you've got a whole new life. It's like that lowly, nasty, creepy, crawly caterpillar that kind of, we step on and get squished, right? Gets itself in a cocoon 
And all of a sudden, it's this bold and beautiful new creature. That's the word. That's the word. That's what God wants to do with us. We are a new person. We are, we, I once was this, but now I am brand new. And this beautiful thing, that's the word. I, I think a lot of people think that God takes all our messed up, all our mistakes and, and, and tries to repurpose them. I think that sometimes we think God says, all right, let me see what I can do with what you did here. Let me, let me see if I can just make something out of this mistake. Let me see if I can just repair this and repurpose this and reuse this and renew this. No, that's not what he does. Listen, when we come to him and we bring him all our mistakes, all our bad choices, and he, we lay that in his hands, you know what he does? He says, okay, we don't need that anymore. And he gets rid of them. And he makes us brand new. We get a fresh start in Christ Jesus. And as great as that is, and as wonderful and encouraging as that sounds, it begs the question, all right, now what? What what do I do? What do I do with this new body? What do I do with this fresh start? Where do I begin? what, What do I become? I just want to make sure I don't end up in the same place as I am uh, uh, this time next year. I, I don't want to be in that cycle again where I make these decisions and then all of a sudden I just give up. What, what do I do next? Let me bring this message to an end. By I want to share with you a story. It's a story in the New Testament. I believe this story really illustrates Everything that I've been sharing with you up to this point. I, I really think this story in the New Testament is, is an incredible representation. It's like a physical representation of Isaiah 40. Like this is what it looks like. And this is how it, it's played out. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. Jesus is in the temple and he's teaching and people have gathered around to listen to Jesus. Some Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her right in front of everyone and just make this announcement to everybody what she has done. Now, that's pretty bad. Can you imagine this poor woman? First of all, she's caught in an act of sin. She's caught in the act of adultery. That's bad in and of itself. Secondly, they bring her into the church, into the temple, and just tell everybody what's wrong with her, right? So you got that on top of that. And if that wasn't enough, then they cite the law of Moses. So not only was she caught, not only was she made uh, embarrassed by everyone knowing what she did wrong, now they're citing the law of Moses, which says anyone caught in this act of sin is, is to be punished by, put, be putting, uh, by be putting to death by a stoning. They all had stones in their head ready to throw at her until she died. Can you imagine? They, they weren't seeking grace and mercy They were just seeking judgment. And I just submit to you this morning, they didn't really care about this woman. I don't think they cared that she broke the law. They were Pharisees. They could have handled that themselves. They bring her in to to trap Jesus. I would even go as far as they didn't even really care about the law because, they again, they just wanted to trap Jesus. Jesus, and Jesus, you know the story, if you grew up in church, you've heard this. He bends down and he starts writing some things in the sand. And for thousands and thousands of years, people have been studying. Biblical scholars have been researching. What did Jesus write in the sand? And 2,000 years later, I'm here to tell you, we don't know. (laughs) 
they press in on him. Jesus, we're ready for judgment here. The law of Moses, listen. The law of Moses says this is what's happening. What say you? And, and Jesus stands up and they had her dead to rights. She had broken the law. She had sinned. Uh, and, and the law of Moses called for this. They had her dead to rights. The judgment was there. And Jesus was like, yeah, you got it. But let the person who has no sin throw the first stone. And the Bible says in John chapter 8 that one by one they begin to drop their stones and walk out until nobody was left. And as amazing as that story is, and as crazy as that is, that's not the most important thing that happens. Now we are at the part of the story where we actually really begin to capture the heart of the Father, of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives and what he wants us to do. Let's pick up the story in verse 10. Jesus straightened up once more and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I love how he speaks to her. This, this woman statement, it's not a derogatory statement. It's not like, woman, what are you doing? Come on. It's actually the same word that he would use when he would speak to his own earthly mother, Mary. Like several times in the New Testament, he would call his mother, Mary, woman. What, what is he doing? He's speaking compassionately to her. He's speaking comfort to her. He's speaking tenderly into her dark situation, into her hopeless situation. She looks up and she responds to Jesus' question. No, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. That's the proclamation of the good news. That's the proclamation of the gospel. Your hard service is over. You've served your sentence long enough. Your sins have been paid for. That's what we celebrate, right? It's this next line that I used to have so much trouble with. It's this next line that used to bother me a lot coming up as a, as a young Christian, a young believer. Go now and leave your life of sin. I, I used to think that this was, was Jesus pointing his finger at this woman and just admonishing her. And just saying, hey, hey, now listen, I let you off this time. Don't go do that again. Look, I, look, I, I let you off the hook in front of all my friends here. So don't embarrass me by going back to that old lifestyle. I used to think that this was Jesus kind of getting on to her. Like, this, this is the verse where we kind of hang our righteous indignation and say, ah, right there, there it is. Don't do that. Here's the problem with that story. We, we often stop at verse 11. But that's not the end of the story. And the problem is, we don't know how to leave our life of sin. Now what? What am I supposed to do now? But praise God, that's not where the story ends. We, we stop there, but that's not where it ends. We never get to verse 12. But verse 12 is where the transformation begins. When we read verse 12, we understand Jesus wasn't getting on to her. He simply was offering her a better way to live life. Let's look at it. When Jesus spoke again, so the very next thing that he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
What did Isaiah say? The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's saying to this woman, listen, you do not have to walk in that darkness. What's he saying to you and me on a brand new year? You don't have to walk in darkness. I love 2024. I love all the technology that, that we have. I love the GPS. Like, oh, come on. You can put any address in your phone and it will get you there. Like, like stress-free. I, when, uh, early on in my church uh, years, my ministry years, my wife and I, we did some church planning in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I had to work for FedEx. I used to drive one of those big vans, right, delivering packages. And the most stressful thing was trying to find the address in a timely manner. Like, it was so stressful. We didn't have GPS back in those days. We had a map. We had a paper map, a book that you had to flip through. So stressful, man. GPS, though, you just put it in. And it takes you right there. It's a wonderful thing. No stress whatsoever. Can I show you the GPS in God's word? Look at this in Psalms. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the simplest of forms, we can add this to our life. This is the answer, the first step in the now what? Walk in the light. How does that look? I, wanna, I just want to end. We're at the beginning of the new year. I don't know if you uh, have made some resolutions. Maybe you made some and you've already broken them, right? Well, one weekend. <laughs> but I thought I wanted to give you some practical New Year's resolutions. I'm going to bring them up on the screen. Maybe you take a picture of them and maybe begin to apply these to your life. As we close out, let me just show you, there are four of them. The first one is this, I will find comfort in the proclamation that my sins are forgiven. My debt has been paid. Maybe that's a brand new truth for someone here today. In just a few minutes, we're going to go into the prayer time and you're going to see up on the screen, uh, you can text the word rooted and there'll be a number there on the screen and you can begin a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you just need to be reminded of that truth. I'm going to, I will choose to live and walk in the light. New Year's resolution number two. Instead of constantly adding more to my plate, don't we do that? We say we're not going to do that, but we do it. I will cut out non-priorities. Well, how do I determine what the non-priority is? I'm going to let the light shine on what matters most. I'm going to allow the, the light of Jesus to show me what's most important. I'm just going to camp out right there. Resolution number three, instead of jumping from one high to another, oh, don't we do that? If I can just get the next greatest thing and the next fix, always looking for the next the thing, I will build momentum in what the light reveals to me day by day. Maybe you're going to start this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you're going to get in God's word, and that's going to be your motivation day by day. I'm going to get in his word, and it's going to encourage me, and I'm going to allow that to, to build momentum. And the last one is this. Instead of longing for the weekend and vacation, right? In other words, instead of waiting for some kind of break, I'm going to structure each day and each week in the light. I'm going to allow the light to be my rest and fuel me for the days to come. Father, in Jesus' name, 
as we stand on the horizon of a brand new year, we thank you for this opportunity that we have. You've given us another day to live in the light. May we find comfort in your salvation. May we be empowered by your presence. And Lord, may we begin to see the transformation. And it all starts with us walking in the light. And for anyone who is receiving that truth first time today, Lord, I pray, God, that you pour your love out on them. They would follow up, maybe text Rooted, maybe join us in the prayer room just right outside these back doors. But for those of us who are breaking out of the cycle, Lord, I pray we break the cycle because of who you are. We have hope. His name is Jesus. And I pray, pray that it will break us free as we walk in the light. In Jesus' name, amen.